0: saying so i'm i'm ready to go i've been recording the last five <laughs> minutes of this conversation on skype i will Love cut it. it down thank you Sean. uh but it's good <laughs> you're welcome chef um but i am ready to go on hitting record on garage band whenever you're ready
1: do we just do that at the same time normally or? yeah that's
0: usually i connor just connor and i usually just do like a three two one and hit record
1: okay then ready yeah you count us down
0: okay three, two. One. It's on the list, it's on the list. Everybody wants to get on the list. Just bring your songs and bring a movie and we will put you on the list.
1: buh da duh
0: da duh da
1: we're back baby yeah.
0: we're back we're fucking back we are we're back, back. We're, ugh, we are on separate coasts we are You're not
1: even on a coast you're in the heartland
0: i am in the well the, chicago is the third coast but i'm not <laughs> that's true <laughs> it's the there's but i don't West know coast. if i can say that because i'm not technically in the city i think i am in the heartland though i am
1: you're in the you're in the heartland of the third ghost is what you are. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at my ladies window at the trees.
0: We're, we're back. We
1: are, <laughs> we're back. We're folks. back via Skype, and that is, that's fucked up. Ugh yeah. I'm Mason. Mason? Noah. Sorry, dude. I can, like, this is cra- <laughs> This is so crazy hearing you through the computer instead. Yeah, I
0: know. I mean, we, got, we, we, we had a nice conversation before we started recording. Just to peek, pull back the curtain a little bit, folks. If you don't know, right. <laughs> this is season two If It's On The List. The boys are back in town so to speak, in separate, towns. in separate towns, and we're trying, we got to do something a little different. Uh, my life has changed, I've moved back to the suburbs of Chicago, Noah has stuck around in Los Angeles, but we are, uh, we're not, this uh, podcast after a little break is uh, back with a vengeance, I think. It's back with a vengeance,
1: back- Mason, uh, my life is more or less the same <laughs> as it was when people heard us last, but you moved, so we yeah. want to give people like maybe a little glimpse into what the Downers Grove area is like this time of year?
0: Uh, well, right now I'm looking outside my window. My desk is yeah. facing my back, my bedroom window, and I'm seeing just uh, where I live. It's technically unincorporated Downers Grove. And, nice, uh, nice, just a lot of little tract of land that my house is on. I'm seeing a lot of snow, a lot of trees. I was watching a movie earlier in the day at my desk, and I look out, and there's just a deer poking her head around. Oh, shit, really? Yeah, it's just, uh, considering also where I lived in L.A., for The last yeah. two ish, three years that was just constant like noise and, and bombardment, pollution. Uh, yeah, uh, pollution. It's very, uh, I got very used to very quickly just being back when it's just quiet and like breathable air. Been going, no kidding, going a lot in a lot of walks around the woods. <laughs> <It's->
1: <laughs> smoking
0: weed no unfortunately not (laughs) 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 fucking girls this is
1: it baby we're back (laughs) this
0: is is the dirty 630 living folks that uh you tuned into or that i that i ran away from and now i'm back (laughs) but that's so your life is basically the same but you've been working a lot though that's good i've been working uh on
1: different stuff i uh, I, I won't, I can't, I'm not necessarily at liberty to talk about it, but, uh, because I don't know whether they want me talking about it or not, but kind of something exciting going on. I'll tell you my friend off mic, but some fun stuff going on and, uh, yeah, I mean, basically the same. I mean, I didn't, I'm not the one who moved back <laughs> to Chicago, so I'm, my life is pretty much the exact same other than just. I'm enjoying the California fucking clean ass air. <laughs> Bro, I will say
0: reduce pollution. <laughs> Every now and then I will get little twins twings of homesickness for Los Angeles. And it's not just that I miss my friends because I do. I miss you, buddy. Aww. I miss Aww. I miss being in the I same physical space as you. But we are <laughs> occupying
1: the internet space, we which are. is, in a way, <laughs> becoming terrifying. more real. real.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh. you don't know if I actually exist or if I'm just, like, an algorithm at this point. You know, like, I could just be... <laughs> Dude, I kind of hope that at this point, maybe you're both. <laughs> like, I kind of hope that maybe you can exist
1: online separately from being a physical person.
0: <laughs> I, th- I think we all do. I think we all do at this point. It's no... Ooh, that's a little scary to think about. But we're back here today, folks. We're going to talk about movies. We we're fr- we were we recording this. Uh, movies only today. And maybe a little bit movies of... Movies only. movie. Maybe a little bit of a little treat at the end. Some music. A little bit of bonus content that we recorded a long time ago when I was still in Los Angeles. But today we're doing... A fun little kind of uh, end of end of year, decade situation wrap-up. We actually, yeah. I think the origin of this was actually
1: kind not, you know, as they say, necessity is the mother of all invention. And we actually originally were talking about this when we were waiting for a friend and guest of the show, Claire Epting, to show yes. up. Yes, yes. Um, and we had a little bit of time to kill. Uh, because for whatever reason, your same address exists in Torrance, California, yeah. as well as uh, Los Angeles, California. So we were waiting on Claire because there was that mix up and we were just like, let's just fucking record some bonus content. And we are only re-recording it because things have changed both literally and on our list. Yeah, I mean, so. I
0: saw I saw a lot more movies after we did that. Like I tried to get, my kind of goal was, was to get at least 52 releases this year and on time of recording i've seen 57 uh nice, yeah last year well, i think last year was my recent record and that was 63 i want to say or 20 oh, i think 2018 was i saw 63 but uh i beat my record i think i have a pretty good pretty varied list here and uh, a lot of stuff that i added after we did that initial one added to my top 10 uh and just moved some stuff around and uh i'm excited to get back into this can I ask a question before we get into
1: it? When you say you sometimes feel are homesick for LA, what are you feeling homesick for specifically? Like parts of LA, or just ask like what are you missing about LA the most? Uh,
0: sometimes it's really like it, sometimes people will post pictures of like just the sun, the sunrise, the sunshine, and like just uh, and like kind of the food and the culture there. And I'm like, I do miss that stuff. Uh, sure. I do, and I think it's mostly just because I'm living. Uh, in the heartland, and I can walk to a Wendy's and a subway, and that's about it. But I am missing um, just like having like kind of ready access to all these different kinds of cultures and whatever. Uh, but when I sure. get into the city, I think that'll be a little, I can get a little bit of that back left uh, back. I also miss the mountains. I think that's like kind of the biggest thing is I just miss sure. seeing a mountain every day. Uh, sure. And uh, that's it. There's also, uh, yesterday, I think, was the third the third day of sun since the new decade. Uh, no yeah. In Chicago. So that's also a thing I miss is the sun, little things sure. like that. Uh, but again, this is just a fresh move right now. And I'm sure that if I listen back to this in a couple months, I'll be like, Oh, you, Oh, you, you sweet, delicate little homesick flower. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you little fucking, you little. daisy." You, you
1: little daisy. <laughs> I was just curious. Cause like, I don't know, like when I moved to California from the Pacific Northwest, I missed, the nature shit probably just behind the fact that I was away from my family for the first time and away from my friends from home for the first time. Yeah, So I was just curious because I think the nature thing is a big part of it because it's literally your environment. You know, it's literally like, you know, I dude I would have killed a man to see a normal tree when I was a freshman oh my god
0: I'm sure the first thing that I missed when I moved to LA uh was like it was I think maybe June or July and I had been in LA since like I'll say roughly March even though I went back in the entire month of May to before graduation but I was back in uh LA June or July I was at the New Beverly and I was kind of just going through either Snapchat or Instagram and just like looking at my excuse me looking at like kind of what people were posting and there was like a summer storm in chicago and i'm like fuck i miss the rain (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) that was like the first big
0: thing that i missed was the rain that's such an interesting thing that nature is uh and just like kind of your environment is like one of the first things you miss and i miss you too buddy i know i said it earlier but it's it's true i miss you
1: (laughs) i miss you too i miss like You know, when we, because I think we stopped, I think our last episode was what, right before Thanksgiving is when we stopped recording, like the last recording. Yeah, because I moved
0: the day after my birthday.
1: That's right. And so we literally haven't, I missed just doing that, but I'm glad we're literally Skyping it up
0: now. Yeah, we're going to Skype it up. We're going to talk some movies. We're going to talk the end of the year.
1: We're going to talk end of the year. We're going to talk end of the decade. We're going to talk maybe some stuff that's, Pretty low on my list might be pretty high on your list. Vice, vice versa. versa. Yeah. Listen, we're allowed to fuck <laughs> <laughs> and do different
0: shit. I don't know. But I think we we'll are have certainly allowed to do that. Okay. Do you want to get started with your, so we're going to do top 30 of the year and then top 10 yep. of the decade. So do you want to start with your 30 through 26?
1: Yeah, I will. Okay. So coming in my number 30 film, this is again, this is top 30, um, 30 mm-hmm. Dolomite is my name. Hell Yeah. Twenty nine, Ford v Ferrari. I've not seen that yet. Twenty eight, you gotta see it for <laughs> the cars. Twenty eight, Jojo's Rabbit is can just oh. sit all the way down there. Oof. Number twenty seven, Good Boys. I'm gonna defend that movie. I think that is a funny movie. Oh, I gotta put that. On and my list. it got shit on because you know what. It's a bunch of little kids. It's a bunch of little kids running around. But I thought it was funny. You don't get a little movie like that every, you know, in theaters, all that. People and were just out. scared
0: and, of the good boys. <laughs> dude, they were.
1: They were scared of the good boys. They literally were like, we want bad boys. That's why we moved <laughs> to L.A. We want bad boys. But coming in at number 26, a very controversial film. Some would even say that it doesn't deserve to be on a 2019 release, but Uh, Under the Silver Lake comes in at my number 26.
0: Ooh, That is a... Yes. Uh, That is a... I will say that is a very... I like all those choices. I have not... Again, I can't say for the quality of Ford v Ferrari that is the only Oscar-nominated Best Picture nominee. I have not seen yet. I think I'm probably going to do that tonight when we're done recording or tomorrow before Uh I go to an Oscar party. Uh, I will Uh say, though, uh, that in my ranking of the year, uh, Jojo Rabbit is right behind joker if you could believe it i just
1: i love that that you just said I, that. that
0: is epic i uh, that is an epic uh that i just caught up with that movie and i was kind of surprised by how much i disliked it but i think that's a conversation for another time uh,
1: you know i think we can have a little mini conversation about jojo real quick because i'm not crazy about it yeah
0: i mean that's if, yeah I, I was but you were like an, excited enough about it for it to end up in like your end of the year thing like you liked it enough And it's like it was higher
1: at one point. It very much was higher on the list. I actually did some rearranging, like right before we hopped on hopped on the call, and I literally was like, "Wow!" Like, there's one movie in particular that took a mighty fall, which I will talk about um, here when we get to it. But I think that Jojo has moments Mm -hmm. that, for me, I was like, "Wow, that is nice." Why could we have not just done that for the whole fucking movie? Yeah, because you just are on this path of just nothingness and empty, like empty coffee shop philosophy for a lot of the. movie. I
0: know that's my and that's like my big thing about that movie specifically is that it just could not choose a lane to stay in, and it was really no. like it. I was watching it and like more than once when I'm watching it, I'm like, yeah, it Mel Brooks really did just kind of make the only comedy about Nazis that you could ever make because it's like. It it really bugged me in that movie specifically that there were some parts where they just looked so ridiculous and it was so funny, but then they like try also made you like kind of sympathetic for the Sam Rockwell guy at the end, and I'm just like, come Shit. on, dude, come on, Tyka, what are you doing? Uh, and were
1: you were were you a fan of his portrayal of Mr. Adolf Hitler, or did you find that thought, uh, excruciating? No,
0: I thought that that was kind of funny, you know, and I kind of I there to my taste there was not enough of a. Uh, uh, i don't know i think satire is such a difficult such a difficult needle to thread and especially satire about nazis which is why most people just don't attempt it and the fact that there was this also kind of like cutesy human interest kind of thing at the middle of it too i was just like what the fuck is going on here dude i just do not get this uh but that's my jojo rabbit take okay Okay.
1: Um, <laughs> do we want to briefly touch on or are you gonna bring up uh, Under the Silver Lake later? Oh, we're talk gonna about talk there. about that
0: later, my man. I'm I'm so ready to get into that. Uh only
1: thing I wanted to say uh-huh. from these that these five right here, Dolomite, very underrated. You can watch it on
0: Netflix. Yes. It's a fun time. Well, Dolomite's like, actually about to come up for me. Uh oh, okay, okay, Mason. Give us your give us your 30 through twenty six. All right, here's my thirty for thirty, number thirty. <laughs> <laughs> joker's trick sorry, baby joker laugh <laughs> on that one ladies jo- and gentlemen sorry jojo's trick baby uh <laughs> jojo's fucking trick. All, right. all right number what 30 toy story 4 N- okay. number 29 gemini man number 28 wow high flying bird number 27 dolomite is my name number 26 john wick chapter 3 parabellum so the only one I think on that one that I didn't see was John Wick Chapter
1: Three. Mm. Um, I am new to the John Wick franchise. I watched Chapters One and Two when I was home for the holidays uh, with my dad, mm-hmm. uh, which Good is dad you know, movie. great dad <laughs> movies. One hundred percent. That's what I was waiting for was to watch them with my dad because he was has been into them since they've been coming. Oh out, really? And I'm I'm only like recently deciding that I'm going to try and enjoy. John wicks and fast and the furious is and like stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. So I have yet to dig into that franchise, but only one I haven't seen there is the John wick three, but I'm surprised toy story four is that low. Yeah. I
0: would have had, it, I wanted to have it maybe a little higher. Uh, and I do, I think that maybe on rewatch it would come back. It's just been so long since I've seen it and it has not like, aside from Forky who I love, who's my fucking guy, yeah. um, doesn't really bat around kind of in my head the same way some of these other movies do. Uh, even High Flying Bird, which I saw, was one of the first movies I saw this year. Um, that's kind of been brought in my head in my kind of estimation uh, since I've seen it. And Toy Story 4 is like, I love a lot of it. And I needed it to be like kind of, I needed it to have its time in the sun. But uh, there's just some other stuff that I like just a little bit more and kind of spoke a little bit more to me that we'll get to too.
1: Uh, let me let me hold let me uh, let me hold your feet to the fire real <laughs> quick about High Flying Bird because yeah. I couldn't stand that movie. Ugh, really couldn't stand it. Didn't like it. Rocky, our friend of the show and former guest, uh, loves High Flying Bird. I think that's like higher than your ranking of it. Like I think that might be in his. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah,
0: 2019. yeah. 2019. Yeah. So what's what's the deal with High Flying Bird? I think beside like putting aside just the kind of um, the Soderberghy like kind of. Uh, trickiness of making the movie with the iPhone. It's not my... I prefer Unsane a little more. I think Unsane's a little better to use of that like kind of technological imitation. I just think that for this specific moment, and this will come up later in my top 10, it's such an interesting... Um, one, like the, the fact that it's like kind of... Uh, it's an all-black cast and it's not really making any kind of uh, waves about it. It's just very much what it is and like steeped in that identity and also kind of like capitalism and sports and uh, that thing. It's just, the thing just kind of sings, I guess is really what it comes down to for me. Just, I watched, gotcha. I just watched that movie and I was like, I am just really loving the song that, that the song that this is. Uh, and that's kind of my only defense of it. I, again, I haven't seen it since um, uh, February or whenever I watched it for the first time. So that's all I can comfortably say so about you, it.
1: You love the spirit of it. I
0: do. I really just spoke to me, but I mean like, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, and I just like Terrell. Okay. Yeah, Terrell Alvin McCraney, who wrote Moonlight, uh, just yeah. really fantastic script, I think too. Uh, and Andre Holland is gonna be a mega. Love Andre Holland. Uh, Zazie beats, Uh, who else is in that uh movie? Uh, shoot, what was her name? She was Kima on the Wire. Uh, just also just a, one of the Couldn't best. Tell you. Yeah, one of the best casts, I think, this year too. Uh, just really, just really, 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 really liked it, and uh, maybe I'll rewatch it again soon. So, yeah. All right. You ready to do and Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. It'll be on the list. Maybe it will be on the list. That would be... Ooh. Well. Maybe. Ooh. Not to get too ahead Not of to ourselves. Not to get too ahead maybe of ourselves. On <laughs> All right. Do you want to do your 25 through 21? Yes,
1: Chef. Okay. Now, this is going to piss a couple people off that it's this low. Ooh. I don't even know if you've seen this, Mason, okay. but people who have absolutely love this movie. Ooh, okay. But
0: at number 25, I have Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I'm seeing that on Wednesday and I'm about, I I'm sure that ugh, I'm seeing that on Wednesday. That's all I want to say about this. Gotcha. Uh well, I I'm think it's going to be it.
1: higher than I think you will like it more than me. But yes. I'll talk about that here in a sec. But at 25, we have Portrait of a Lady on Fire. You're not going to like this ranking either, but at number 24, Ad Astra. Okay. <laughs> and you and you're really not going to like this either. At number 23, The Lighthouse. Ooh, okay. Okay. And coming in at number twenty-two, Richard Jewell, and at coming in at twenty-one, El Camino, a Breaking Bad movie.
0: I haven't seen either Richard Jewell or, or, Jewel or El Camino, so can't speak to the merits of those. Uh, you will hear from me on the Lighthouse and Ad Astra in a little bit, but uh, yes, Chef. I those three that is, I think that that is like if you to- I think it's just we diff, we just differ on. We those. do, and like, I have I a couple in my three. like twenty-one through twenty-five that I know we're going to differ on. Um, and I think that that's kind of like the, I think like this, like kind of semi low ranking is like really where, uh, our diff, like our differences in taste more so than I want to say like our top 10, like just kind of come, come to the fore I think, uh, hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I res- I respect those. Do you want to talk about portrait of a lady on fire and what did or did not work for you with that motion picture?
1: Yeah. I think what I wanted to really talk about was, um, that as well as the fact that I think people just need to give Richard Jewell a chance. Like, mm-hmm. Clint has done some questionable, not only things personally in his in this last decade, but just movie-wise. He's made some questionable choices as far as, like, what he's, A, made movies about in our current day and age. Mm-hmm. I know he's literally pushing 90. He might even be 90 years old at this point. So good on him for, you know, continuing to have a career, you know, into his later years. Um, I, I saw the mule in theaters with my dad, which was a fucking awful experience. Isn't there, aren't there two threesomes
0: Um, in that movie?
1: There's definitely one. And I can't remember if there's a second one or not, but either way (laughs) it's fucking atrocious. (laughs) And I just was with my dad and I was just like, Holy fuck. I cannot do this right now. Um, but Richard Jewell, the two main, the three main performances by that movie, by, uh, Kathy Bates, Sam Rockwell, and Paul Walter Hauser are all show good. Yeah, they are all amazing. Specifically, Paul Walter Hauser. Yeah, like we if you liked him, you know he was my favorite part of I Tanya.
0: Oh um, yeah, and he's oh, got a, yeah. and
1: he's got a really small but memorable role in uh, Black Klansman.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and he's finally getting latitude and you know longitude to actually give a nuanced, interesting, just heartbreaking performance and. Uh, you know, say what you will about Clint Eastwood loving white heroes, but you know, and hating and hating
0: the media and hating women in the media.
1: and hating women in the media and not being <laughs> that great of a dude. But <laughs> this movie's worth watching for Paul Walter Hauser's performance alone. Yeah, yeah, as well as Kathy and Sam Rockwell. So I, y- y- y gotta check that movie. I out. I think I will. And yeah, it's like yeah. it's worth a watch. Yeah, that as well as. Sorry, go no, for it. I was going to say,
0: that and Dark Waters are two of my, like, kind of, uh, prestige kind of movies that I really need to catch up with still. Um, it just... I'm going to be probably doing 2019 catch-up into... It's well into 2021 just because I like to watch movies. But, uh... And you know what? You prob- Based on the way movies are released,
1: uh, in this day and age, uh, <laughs> you probably won't even be- need to go to the theater until about April or May. This so is true. So you got some time. <laughs> this is true. Because uh, it's just fucking garbage. Right?
0: I, did lo- I did see <laughs> Birds of Prey La- yesterday, and I thought that was pretty good. Well, uh, that's the Harley Quinn movie. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fun. It's like John Wick, I, but with, y- with Harley Quinn.
1: <laughs> I'm going to see it. I love Margot Robbie. Yeah.
0: I love her, I she love is... Mary Elizabeth Winstead, I love Rosie Perez, love. Iwan, is Aaron Rosie McGregor. Perez in that? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Okay, Chef. You're cooking up something
1: spicy on your own. Oh, end. you but um I wanna talk quickly about Portrait of a Lady on Fire before we move on. It's just it is a film that if this is the first kind of film of that ilk that you are seeing, yeah. I could see how it could just rip you to shreds. Uh-huh. But personally, I've seen films of that ilk before. Sure. And I felt more invested in other versions of the film, specifically Andrew Hayes' Weekend. Gotcha. For me, that was the movie where I was like, holy shit. But if I had seen this before I had seen Andrew Hayes' Weekend, I'm sure I would feel how I feel about Weekend, about Portrait of a Lady on gotcha. Fire. Gotcha. It's eloquent. It's wash. You know, there's a couple banger moments. There's a reason it's on the list and, you know, not off the list of the top 30 favorites of the year. Same with Richard Jewell. Same with everything that I mentioned below. But it just didn't grab me in the same way that it's grabbing other people. That's fair. That's fair. And
0: I'm sure that when I see it on Wednesday, we will have more to talk about. Uh, But that is, I will definitely keep that in mind. But go for it, Chef. Give me your 25 through 21. 25 through 21. 25. Alex Ross Perry's Her Smell. 24, Christian Petzold's Transit. 23, Harmony Kareens' The Beach Bum. 22, Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. And 21, Ryan Johnson's Knives Out. Uh, Okay. Yeah, that is just kind of, just looking at those, with Her Smell and Transit. uh, Her Smell, I think, maybe has one of my, Mm, I don't want to say my favorite uh, lead female performance of the year, definitely one of my, two of my favorite female performances of the year with uh, Lizzie Moss and uh, Agnes Dane. And I'm really hoping to see more of Agnes Dane because she just kind of knocked me out of the park with her smell. Um... Yeah, I. she knocked you out of the part with her smell. Her smell was that pungent <laughs> that it fucking knocked you right out, off brother. the screen. Uh, <laughs> that's crazy. Uh,
1: that's great. You're crazy for that. Did you, uh,
0: Transit is just like, I really loved Phoenix. Um, that was one of my favorites in okay. 2015. And that's just a really, maybe we can put that one on the list too, just because I'd love to hear you talk about it. I saw that movie with Pascal Sonny Dion uh, at the okay. Music Box Theater in Chicago, which is uh, com- blown out of the water with it. One of my favorite movies. Uh, of the last 10 years probably won't make my decade list. It does not make my decade list, but just, man, the, the experience of watching that movie was nothing else. Transit's a little rougher to get into because it is like, it's, uh, it's, it's doing this weird, are, are you familiar with transit? Like, do you know what I'm t- like? Uh, do, oh, I don't
1: really like, I, I, I'm looking, I'm actually looking at your list, uh, as we speak. Yeah. Um, and I'm the your 23, 22, and 21 will appear later on mine. I haven't seen her smell or transit. Yeah. I know a little bit about her smell. I'm a little bit more familiar with Alex Ross Perry than I am. Is it Christian Petzold? Christian Is Petzold, I it? think so.
0: Yeah, Petzold, one of the two. Yeah, um, but I don't mm-hmm. know really
1: anything about it other than
0: the poster. Yeah, you know, uh, it's a great, it's a really kind of tricky movie, too. Um, you gotta watch it and just kind of just under let it be the weird, like kind of bit of anachronism and the, the, the anachronisms you kind of just got to let go. Cause it's like a movie about like a character on the run from like the Nazis and like that kind of uh thing, but it's like set in the modern day and they're taking like Ubers and their cell phones, but they're kind of acting like these two characters kind of feel like they're from the 1940s or whatever. It's such a very, it's a very interesting kind of artistic choice. Um, And I was just wrapped the entire time watching it and uh, has one of my favorite needle drops of the year over the end credits. I don't want to spoil it just because it gave me so much pure pleasure when there's the last shot and then there's the cut and then there's like, it blacks out and then the song starts playing. Um, Just, just incredible. And I think just like 23 through 21, those are just like movies that I had just like a blast watching um, and just, uh, I just also just rewatched book smart and that's just such a fun movie that I think is just going to endure for a long time. But I just, uh, I don't know. I, like my kind of thinking about how to rank these is, is just kind of going off my gut and there's other stuff that I kind of want to talk sure. about a little more, like a little later, but these are just like, I need to give them their time in the sun and I just love them, love them, love them. They were such a blast. That's really my sure. entire uh, Rational, they for barely,
1: you know, they they barely miss out on the top twenty. So they're they there do, for a reason, they do. They're like
0: my, I think, if anything, these are like my honorable mentions. You know, more than anything, you know,
1: sure. And I, I really do have interest in her smell. I think Alex Ross Perry is kind of an enigma. Yeah. you know, in a lot of ways, yeah. he's making her smell. And then he, I think he did golden exits like right before, yeah. which is basically an American Romare film. Yeah. You yeah. Know, yeah, yeah. You get down to it. And then I think right before that he did, what is it? Listen, it List Yeah. It was Listen Up, Philip. Yeah. And
0: then like listen Up, Philip and the color wheel were two movies that I watched in college where I was like, Oh, I did you American independent cinema. This is it man. You yeah. know? Like he was one yeah, of those guys exactly. for me, you know? Um, yeah. but I really think that her smell is a step in the right direction for him. Uh, cool. Yeah, that's that's all I got to say about that.
1: Well, I will move in then. Oops, I looked at your list instead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, I'll give you this is this is where we start the top twenty. And Mason, this is where things uh, specifically in the twenty through eleven uh-huh. range. This is where th- I literally did some last minute audibles. Yeah. So I was rearranging minutes before we got on this. Little yeah, Skype me call, too. I
0: was doing that a lot. This this t- I was doing a lot too. Yeah. All
1: right, you go. Oh, just very briefly, uh-huh. uh, El Camino, The Breaking Bad. If you like Breaking Bad, just fucking watch it. Like, yeah. that's all I got to
0: say. <laughs> cool, uh, cool.
1: Sorry. Sorry, sorry chef. <laughs> so at 20, we got Jordan Peele's Us.
0: Ooh.
1: At 19, we have Toy Story 4, which yeah. we'll talk about
0: here in just a sec. 18, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Long Shot. Long Shot. You, okay, okay, interesting. Yeah. yeah, I know you like that movie a lot. Uh, what's your seventeen?
1: At 17, Trey Edward Schultz's Magnolia, a.k.a. Waves. I oh, haven't seen uh, that. Okay. And, and at 16, took a little bit of a big jump. It didn't used to be in the top 20, but uh, The Farewell. Interesting. Okay. So this is, this, like I said, this 20 through 11, which we'll get to very shortly, this, this just went through some big rearranging. Um, mostly the fact that I think of any movie I saw this year, waves took the
0: biggest fall
1: from grace that was in
0: your top maybe five last time we talked about this i want to say was it ever in your top five i know for sure it was in your 10
1: i think it may have at one point been number five but it definitely never broke that gotcha um but it is you know a clunky movie to be generous (laughs) um it is a movie that the first half, you cannot believe, is a professional director <laughs> making a film. Okay, and then for whatever reason, in my this is my, again my opinion. I know a lot of people feel differently, but the second half is just so tender and so nice. Okay, and that's where Lucas Hedges comes in, oh, and it just Lukey. really does feel like a different movie. Lucas, like yeah. it really feels like they figured it out and they just like had to do this weird shit at the beginning, uh, in order to sort of get to that place. It makes a lot of swings. It takes a lot of heavy swings and I don't think a lot of them work, but I think that the end result is something very moving. Okay. But there are movies that you need to watch (laughs) before you watch waves. Like waves is not required. Sure. So It was definitely the biggest fall from grace, at least in my mind, this year. Um, and Toy Story 4, I think maybe even you said it. I'm not sure who said it, but whoever said it, I agree with. It's a movie that did not need to exist, but everyone is
0: so glad does. Yeah, I th- that might have even been a Griffin Newman thing on blank check. I feel like he's the one that said it, because that was definitely my kind of thought around it when I watched it, it was like, well... I love toys. Toy Story, I think was one of the first movies I ever saw in theaters. Uh, oh, wow. yeah, I went to the local theater, the Tivoli, um, and saw that in theaters and loved Toy Story. It was kind of by my side when I was growing up, you know, and like Toy Story three came out, I think the year before I was going away from college and just the ending of that movie made me so sad. I would not watch the last five minutes, like the next couple of times I watched that movie. Damn. And I was just like, I don't know if I need Toy Story four. And then it came out and I think low key, like, I think low-key, it might be my favorite one. It's been a long time since I marathoned all the Toy Stories, but I, you're absolutely right. This is a movie that, like, kind of... It ma- it made its place, and it, it really just defined itself as something really, I think, beautiful and, and essential at the end of the day, and now I'm just really happy it exists. Uh... A hundred percent. Like the fact, you know,
1: and it really is, you know, you mentioned him before, but Forky really is a good enough reason for toy story four to exist. We can get some Forky toy story, Forky (laughs) hashtag toy story, Forky (laughs) bitch, (laughs) bitch. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just a, you know, it, I think my three favorite trilogies Mm -hmm. are the original star Wars trilogy Mm -hmm the before trilogy yes. and the toy story trilogy. Uh, and you have to put you know, fortunately or not, unfortunately you got to put toy story four in there as a little addendum. I don't know if we'll get toy story five. I highly doubt it. I don't it.
0: think so. Like I don't, I really don't think so. I I really because hope they toy won't because I think that they would fall into the, like it would be what we were all afraid of with toy story four, which would be like just completely unnecessary, like kind of entry, uh, just to like, kind of get some cash, you know, <laughs> Totally. And you know what, dude? If they can't fucking make them, 'em, I'll keep fucking going to the movie.
1: But you know, I am glad that we got it and I'm glad I saw it. And I cried like a little baby. I did. Yeah. We love that for you, Chef. And that I do. And the only other movie I really want to touch on here is Long Shot. I think Long Shot is not a perfect film. I wouldn't even say at times it's a good film, <laughs> but I saw it at the perfect time in my life. Yeah. I saw it like maybe a week and a half before I graduated from college mm-hmm. and it was a movie that just kind of reminded me like you don't movies don't have to be this serious, you know, thing. Yeah. They can be fun and you can make them with your friends and you should enjoy the process more so than the end product because it's, you know, at the end of the day, you're not going to look back and go, Oh, those movies i made you know you're going to look back and go wow that, i had a yeah. really good time making them with my friends and i you know that's the most important part of it all and uh you know what that is kind of how i felt walking out i was also just in a very emotional time graduating <laughs> from college and all that shit so that's why that movie belongs right there it is more of a signifier of a time in my life than the movie
0: itself but
1: I think it's got some good, good moments. Good
0: get that, get that, get to get that on the record. Uh, I do want to just say for the record also, I'm looking at my window and there is a fresh blanket of snow falling from the sky. What? It is snowing right now Aww. and there are now three deer in my backyard. So that's what the, the kind of scene that's happening in Downers Grove, Illinois right now, folks. Okay, 20 through 16. So two of these, yes, two of the movies on this list on my 20 through 16, I have just watched today. All right, Whoa. so we're gonna do this. So maybe with a little bit more time, this could have moved around a lot. But this is just going off my gut right now. Uh, number twenty, Almaharel's Honey Boy, Bombom. Number nineteen, this was my big drop of the year. This is my dr- big drop. Number nineteen is uh, Ariaster's Midsummer. Boom.
1: I know you don't like boom, that movie. Boo, Midsummer.
0: Boom. Pretty in my number in my 10. I think it was my 10th slot for a long time. And then I just saw some other stuff and had to move it around and it dropped a little bit. Um number 18, Under the Silver Lake. Debatable whether this is Yay, technically under a 2018. Lake. Debatable yeah. <laughs> whether that's regularly uh should be considered a 2019 release or not, but uh who cares. Number 17. I think this is, might be my mo- the most uh, Mason choice on this list. Uh, but number 17 is M. Night Shyamalan's Glass. And number 16 go. is The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which I finished minutes before hitting record on this. So that wow. is how fresh my takes are on those. Uh, interesting you thought. Well, can, I, yeah. can, I, can I specifically, can you specifically touch, well,
1: I don't really want to hear about glass, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I want to hear because, because we will talk about definitely be talking about honey boy and last black man later yes. on in my list. But can you briefly, and I mean, briefly touch on all of them, but can you go into talking about honey boy and last black man just because yeah. you just saw it? So
0: I really, um, I knew that those were two movies that were really big for you this year. And I kind of wanted to, and yeah. I had wanted to see honey boy cause I was intrigued by the premise. not to around to seeing it in theaters, uh, same with last black man in San Francisco. Um, Honey They're Boy. They're both on Prime as of this recording, right? Uh, yeah, both of them are on Prime. Uh, Honey Boy, I actually watched with my dad. <laughs> I had to go oh, that going wow. downstairs. Um, but that's kind of, Honey Boy, um, and maybe just saying it out loud, I might have, want to move this around, so if you check this letterbox list, maybe this this ranking will change, but I really thought that it was a very brave and sympathetic um, kind of just portrayal of uh, on Shia LaBeouf's part, like I think, it's just like his writing and his performance in this movie are just, 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 absolutely staggering and incredible. Just like the amount of sympathy he has for somebody that severe that caused a lot of um, deep and severe pain for him uh, in this relationship and this period of his life, and the kind of um, just how he's ab- how he was able to look back and see the humanity and just the sadness. In uh, some way that severely hurt him, I thought was really just remarkable and striking um and fuck, maybe I do want to move this up a little bit more, but I think that that was just such, and also how Alma Harrell directed it um just I think the kind of uh natasha brer 's cinematography yes. i think oh is one very of the best striking one of the and speaking of speaking of striking cinematography, last black man in San Francisco was just. Every single shot in that movie was a painting. You could like probably print that out and hang it in a gallery. That's just such a beautiful Um, movie. And just the camera movement in that film is unreal. And I thought like finishing the movie, like the one thing that was popping into my mind was just, just kind of opera. It was very operatic. And I think more than any other movie that I, most of the movies after this, I had seen li- on the big screen, uh, except for save for maybe one or two or three. Actually, now that I'm looking at this, but I think if I regret not seeing one movie in theaters the most this year, it was Last Black Man in San Francisco. For sure, um, just like because I watched it in my room, um, and it was I was still moved by it. But just just thinking about how I could have like the 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 sensation of seeing it in a dark room with just the perfect like surround sound and in the theater, um, and just taking in something that is so. Uh, painterly and artistic. Uh, it's just, just really beautiful. And it's just this incredible movie about like just like I- identity and the stories that you tell yourself and your your how you struggle to kind of like fight for your your own history and your own place in this world and against gentrification and set in the Bay Area, which is, at least in movies the last couple of years, at least in cinema, has kind of become this sort of like um, this it's like changing. It's like a beach almost. It you is, yeah. The the
1: sand and you have the water and you have now also the elements you know, in that
0: movie. Just it's such a very elemental movie too. Just uh, just, just really beautiful. Um, and I love like between this and Blind Spotting and Sorry to Bother You and a couple others that are escaping me. How um, this real place is becoming like the kind of the the cinematic face of like gentrification and all these kind of social issues in a way that like New York kind of was in the eighties uh, really, really, uh, just incredible.
1: Like this, you have the tide, the tide being, you know, gentrification and money sweeping into these areas, you know, eroding the sand, the sand being the areas that were, you know, yeah, being gentrified. (laughs) So So. you just have this, you have this really interesting and all three of those movies you mentioned take a very different look and stance. Well, not stance, but it's a very different approach uh, lens, an approach to gentrification, uh, all well, actually, all three of them take an insanely yeah. different approach. <laughs> yeah. Um. Now that I think about it, but of the three, I'd rather watch Last Black Man in San Francisco. That's that's fair. That's to me the most effective use. I have some choice thoughts about. Sorry to bother <laughs> this isn't a fucking 2018 list, bitch. <laughs> so, but uh, can you also briefly touch on uh, just briefly? Because I think yeah. we should move on as soon as we can. But uh, can you briefly
0: touch on Midsummer and Under the Silver I, I lake? think I just think that um I. I've gotten maybe in more arguments about Midsommar and had to feel like I had to defend myself against liking Ari Aster and this movie in particular with more people this year than almost, I think, anything else on this list uh, that's not in my top 10. But I I don't know, man. He's just like pitched right to me uh, or at least to my sensibilities. And it's just the peculiar mix of like comedy and just 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 terror and comedy that I think he's able to get that you're never really quite sure and it could kind of depend on the day, whether it's a comedy or a horror movie. Um, totally. I just, I just, it's such, I'm just kind of uh, fascinated. And I think he's just a really interesting and exciting filmmaker. Uh, Under the Silver Lake, you t- touched on it briefly. Uh, I know Thomas Sardarian does not like that movie uh, at all. I understand it's also no, very, he thinks it's hot. Trash. I think it's also very, uh, I've also gotten in some, a little bit of arguments about this, my kind of, thing that uh i think this is a very good satire <laughs> is mostly what it is like just kind of a shaggy dog and i also just like a shaggy dog mystery and i love that this is a sure. shaggy dog mystery that the center is just like an unabashed asshole um yeah and uh glass i don't know man i love unbreakable i love split i thought this is the perfect way to bring it home uh and i think it's also the best superhero movie of the year uh, and I think it has a lot of interesting things to say about how we as people, um, the ne- like the necessity of these narratives, superhero narrative, superhero narratives. Uh, and I think that in a couple of years, I think it's uh, people are going to look back on with a little nicer lens on M Night Shyamalan and this like entry in particular. It's also just really entertaining. <laughs> like I rewatched. I've it. heard that I, that's the only movie yeah. of those that
1: you've mentioned that I haven't seen, but I've heard from multiple accounts like. Fuck, dude, if you just want to be entertained, it's really good. It is.
0: I watched uh, it again in August, and in the first, uh, I watched it again in August, and I want to say that, like, the first maybe 30, 40 minutes of it, I was like, I don't, is, is this really as good as I remember? And then as soon as it gets into like the asylum part of it, I'm like, Oh, this is just, this is just a kooky movie. Like this is just, this sure. is just, uh, and also James McAvoy gets, uh, a separate billing for each of his 26 personalities. And that is worth pointing out. Wow. My guy, James James, Jimmy max. Love him. All right. 15. <laughs> the, I think that I would just want to briefly touch on, uh, what you were saying
1: about Midsommar, Yes, Cause you do not like this movie is... at all. <laughs> No. Before I saw our friend Joker, it was my least favorite movie (laughs) of the year. Um, I really am not on the Ari Aster hype train. That's not to say I don't think he's talented. Right. Because I do think he's a very talented technical director. Mm. And I don't like
0: watching his That's how I feel about Joker.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. But uh, even Hereditary, which I enjoyed more than Midsommar, I still look back on feeling a little bit I want to say cheated is, like, the first word that comes to mind. Okay. And it's because of how things sort of wrap up in that movie. movie. Be really not a fan of the ending of that film. Yeah. Of, of Hereditary. I, yeah. But I'm also not, and this is a hot as fuck take, and I know it's going to come I'm going to take my shirt off real in,
0: quick, because I think I'm going to get scorched. Oh,
1: <laughs> you're about to get fucking scorched. Everyone listening, take off your fucking headphones, <laughs> dude, if you can't handle it, okay? But... I'm not a Florence Pure fan. Sorry, Ooh. and I know
0: that that and I know that's going to you know, come here and I know that's going to punch you through later. this computer screen. I'm going to just <laughs> come right through this computer screen and strangle you. Excuse me. But I'm not, and I'm it's and it's. really not
1: a fan of Midsommar and her character slash portrayal of that character in Midsommar, and it has more to do with the writing than it does her, but I'm really not a fan of hers in Little Women either, and I know that that's a hot fucking take, and we're going to talk about that later, but I think, and what you said earlier is so true, he's got a really good edge of comedy in his films, yeah. and I really think that he should push that, and he should do things that are more comedic.
0: Yeah, I will say that I hope that he did two movies, one right after another, and I hope he just, like, kind of takes a break and can chill out and (laughs) just, like... Because he was really writing on one. and thinking
1: about Midsummer before Hereditary, uh, I he believe had been so, like just shading yes. on
0: that for a while,
1: and Hereditary was just one of those that sort of was like he had the opportunity to do it, and you know
0: it was a Sundance screener. Yeah. It was kind of um, like his, so, uh, it's it was his like kind of good time to his to Midsommar's uncut gems.
1: Was, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, All right, you, but that's, that's that on that. We love that. We love that chef. Here we go. Fifteen through. We're doing we're doing fifteen through eleven, right? Yes, That's what we're marching 15 into. Fifteen through eleven. Okay. Mm-hmm. At number fifteen, Rocket Man. Ooh-hoo. At number fourteen, Mister America. In- oh, okay. Number number thirteen, the Beach Bum. Ooh. Number twelve, Pain and Glory. And number eleven, another potentially hot take. The Amazing
0: Jonathan documentary. Oh, I should have I should have watched that one for the show. Uh, good choices, good choices. Those are Thank I don't you, think. Um, yeah, good choices. bud. that's all I got to say about Thank those. You. I respect those. I think going on the two I that like, I don't have not seen Mister America and the Amazing Jonathan documentary. I would love, love, love to do Amazing Jonathan
1: documentary like on the show, like with a guest and everything, uh-huh. or just you know the two of us. Like that is definitely something that is on my list of things I want to bring on the show, Definitely. but just briefly running through all of these, uh, rocket man at one point was in my top 10. I think it does everything that Bohemian Rhapsody didn't do. Yes. Um, I think that it, it is kind of a fucking shame that Taron Edgerton was not recognized by the Academy in some way. That is a monster performance on all fronts, not just the acting ability, but the fact that he's really fucking singing those songs.
0: I, it's awesome. I agree. Uh, Rocket man is just outside of my top 30 and I kind of feel bad about that because I was really, I it's not really a qualitative thing on that movie because I was kind of blown away with how much I liked it. Uh, I think I saw it like I, I wrapped on a TV show and the first thing I like, I wrapped on a TV show at like seven in the morning. I woke up, I went to the theater to see rocket man. I came back home and fell asleep and I was just like, even watching the movie and I was kind of in like a few weird streams state. I'm like, damn, this is just like, they really cared about this. You know? whole totally. Yeah, and I think someone pointed out, I was just reading, uh, someone pointed out that it's not just a good Elton John movie, it's just a good movie about, like, kind of the creative process and songwriting in particular. Um, 100%. And I just, I, Elton John is my fucking guy. I love Elton John, and I really think that the fact that he was an, ex- he himself is an executive producer on this, um, and he could kind of steer that ship really made it uh, just a really remarkable bit of uh, maybe the best... Musical music biopic, I want to say, just because it actually feels like you're watching a really good show. And I 100% agree with you. It is kind of incredible that the academy did not recognize Taron Egerton as Elton John in this. Just it's cause crazy. It's crazy because he um, he does such a good job of doing the thi- like. I like Rami Malik as an actor, but at the end of the day, that is just like kind of an impression. Like you don't really feel like somebody's yeah. like there's a life or a soul behind it. But with Taryn Egerton there's enough of Terran in it that it doesn't feel like it's just mere imitation. Like you are watching an actual great bit of acting and performance. And a hundred percent.
1: And he is, he is absolutely going to have an awesome career, you know, barring anything insane happening. Um, But moving right along uh, Mr. America as a huge fan of Tim Heidecker and the Tim and Eric, you know, type of thing. It was just a delight. I saw it's the only movie I've seen at the Alamo Draft House in downtown L.A. Uh, because it was <laughs> the only place that was showing it. Um, and it is just a hoot. And if you like that kind of thing, you're gonna love it. And if you don't like that kind of thing, you don't even have to bother watching it. But if you missed it, find a way to check it out. Mm-hmm. Super awesome, super funny. Uh, the Beach Bum. This is a movie. This probably went. This was probably the highest riser on the list. Uh-huh. I would say for me, because it did sit for like in the beginning stage, because it came out relatively early on in 2019. I remember, um, I think I literally like had a half day at my internship or whatever at the time. And I think I spent the second part of the day. I saw it at the Grove at the, I saw it literally oh, at the Grove, love the at Grove. the Pacific theaters at the yes. Grove. And I, it was, it was the only movie I've ever seen there. And it was just so fun. I genuinely think besides his performance in season one of True Detective, it might be Matthew McConaughey's best performance. Yeah. And I just am it's mm. definitely my favorite Harmony Corinne film that I've seen. I think it he just absolutely smacked it out of the park and he had such a fun time with it. And there's some really tender, beautiful moments like when he dances with his uh with his wife mm-hmm. and, you know, all the sort of like little drops of, you know, hippie wisdom that he shares with his friends along the way. It is such a fun ride, and it is the, definitely the biggest riser on my list. Like, it definitely flowed to the top more so than anything else. Um, do you want to quickly say anything about the Beach uh, Bowl before doesn't I start? I
0: away? mean, just, I, I'm totally with you on that being probably McConaughey's best performance, and I think it will be, like, excuse me, like, when they do, like, the Oscar in memoriam, that's the performance that I want them to show. Because I think wow. it just, uh, it, it, like, that and True Detective, I think, just embody the kind of and, and him and uh, Dazed and Confused, I think, are the three that just embody the kind of, like, just shaggy, like, kind of McConaughey-ness that we all know and love. Just the thing that sure. makes him him and makes him such a uh, reliable uh, screen presence. Uh, just, just, just a fun guy just to hang out with. Um, yeah, I totally agree. I also think that Jonah Hill is probably my—that and him in uh, Wolf of Wall Street are my two favorite Jonah performances, Oh, wow. Uh, okay. I really just uh, had... That's just such a blast, and I do wish that I, I could just find space for it's higher up on my list, but it is what it is. Um, no, moving, moving on, on. Into number tw- moving to number 12. This is a movie that I am glad that
1: it did get some recognition at the Oscars this yes. year, but I do believe even deserves more recognition than it did, especially from Mr. Almodovar, and that's Pain and Glory. Yes.
0: And I just thought that that movie was
1: quietly spectacular.
0: Uh, Delore. I think that's how I think that is like, I'm going to talk. It's going to come up later for me. Uh, it's going to, it's going to come up later for me, but well then what I'll just say, (laughs) well, you, you can talk about it when it comes up for you,
1: but I'm just going to say it's kind of one of those that didn't hit me until it was all said and done. And when it's all said and done fucking blew me away. Yeah. Just, yeah. I really wish I could, this is, this is the movie I think for me that I wish I could find room for in my top 10, even though it isn't my number 11. Mm-hmm. I just wish that it was one of those that got more eyes on yeah. it because it is foreign language. It is, you, you know, and it is falls into the subcategory of this director's eight and a half, you know? Like, it yeah, just, yeah, I think, yeah. It, it, and that's a great subcategory. You have, you know, all that jazz falling into that subcategory as mm-hmm. well. And this is a very different approach than you're used to with that kind of film. I don't want to say a lot because it's very well crafted and intricate. And I just want to sort of leave it at, it's just a movie you have to see if you're interested in a career in the arts. I
0: think. Yeah, I think I think that's abs- you're absolutely correct with that, and I'll talk about that a little more later when I get to it. Perfect.
1: Uh, then I will just say briefly the Amazing Jonathan documentary. Uh, some brave ass filmmaking going on oh, in that movie. Can't wait. And it is a it is a movie that I want to talk about on the show like in full, but I actually did messaged the director of the film on Vimeo, and I told him, hey, I think you made a very brave film because of what happens in the film, and I think you managed to find a way, even though your movie was falling apart...
0: To salvage it, and you were very brave within that. And he actually messaged me back, ah, and that was really oh, cool. Oh, uh, that's so cool. Maybe we could talk more off mic about that because you just gave me a little idea. But now I want to uh, talk uh-oh. about. I want to talk about my fifteen through eleven. Um, yes, sure. Okay, go so go for it, this was we were talking a little bit about how there's a lot of moving around, and this is how you you did a lot of moving around with your uh, tops uh, with this section of your list. Same here. I think at one point this. Every movie on this list was either in my top 10 if it was not number 10. Um, but uh, here we go. Number 15 uh, Sad Brad, Space Dad, Ad Astro. Oh! This fell out of your top it 10. It did. It did. Just because I really had to think about it. Uh, and it's not that I dislike that movie. I, we'll get into it later. Number 14. Uh, this movie's on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, go and watch it. Uh, Atlantics. It's a. Uh, I was Senegalese actually uh, invited to
1: see that movie last night at a museum in L.A., but I was at a different screening, <laughs> so I couldn't go. But. It sounds amazing, and I, I have yet to uh, check Coyab,
0: it out. Uh, in Quayab. It is also, I think, now streaming on the Criterion channel, if you could believe it, because they are oh. about to uh, put out a, a Criterion spine of that movie. Uh, 13. Really? Yeah, I believe so. It's, it was just re- uh, announced. I think there was like a three. Wow. There were three well, we can talk about this when we get into the top ten, but there were three Netflix movies that are about to be in the Criterion collection. Number 13. Yo. Hustlers. Recently caught up nice. with this. Uh, 12. High Life. Uh, Claire Denis' High Life. Uh, Eleven, the lighthouse. Okay, Mister Mason, we have some things to talk. We about We do here. have some things to talk about here. Uh, what do you want to talk I about first? I did not
1: see. I did not see. Uh, is it Atlantic's? Is that how you say it? Is that Atlantic's? Just yeah, straightforward. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not see that. Did not see hustlers. I want to see both. Um, <laughs> I cannot get on board with my Life being at number twelve. Oh, I'm sorry, Chef. I, can't. I just cannot. <laughs> I cannot get on board with that. It is a movie similar to how I felt last night at the screening I was at, where I kind of could not wait for it to be over a little bit. Like, it was just one of those for me where I was just sitting there going, yikers. Like, I, I can respect it, but for me, it did not pierce the veil, so to speak. Yeah. And I understand that, you know, for it's, it can tickle someone else's fancy, and I totally, you know, respect that. It just, for me didn't come close and uh, it was just craziness and I'm not opposed to it. It just was for me something that I can't fully get behind. But the lighthouse is on my list, just not this high. And I know that I'm also in the minority on that because I know people just absolutely love that movie. Um, And I think that Ad Astra is interesting that it fell out of your top 10 now that I'm looking a little bit forward into your top 10. Uh, But I understand why it did, because there's some good-ass shit in there. Yeah, maybe. Um, And I want to see Atlantics, and I want to see Hustlers. But it's it's an interesting realm, and not having seen Atlantics or Hustlers, it is actually surprising to me that High Life is that high for you
0: knowing what I know about Right. I think, well, the thing with me is really, you know how you're talking about with pain and glory, how the whole, it didn't kind of like stick with you until afterwards. That was one yes. of the movie. High Life was a movie that this year, uh, I kind of went out on a limb to see it. Uh, had not seen a Claire Denis movie, uh, went mostly because I love Robert Pattinson. And now that I'm looking at this, I didn't realize until just now that I placed the two, R, R- Patt's movies right yeah. next to each other. Um, nope. And I would have put I had Ad Astra in the top ten higher than High Life just because Ad Astra is a more entertaining movie and it's kind of an easier movie I think to kind of uh, love and feel something for in the first time. But I just walked out of High Life and when it was all when it was all said and done, I was just like, huh, huh, okay. And it just kind of awakened this like kind of. Um, Understanding and appreciation just for, and it, 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 it sounds very lofty, I, I understand, and this is just me getting really on my bullshit right now, but I walked out of that movie oh. and I was just like, I guess that movie just kind of wrapped up in a little bow uh, what the human experience is kind of like, which is kind of um destruction and resurrection and sacrifice and fucking and all this other stuff and you're just kind of at the end of the day all we are is just a bunch of like kind of soft material floating through uh space um not really towards anything if anything we're moving away very fast and um you know people destroy like the reason why people destroy themselves or find reasons to live and endure and at the end of the day, when you're just facing oblivion, all it is, is like a big bright white light that just tells, it just shows you like the kind of the next unknown um, realm that you have to cross. And that's all I had to say about high life. I, it inspired it. Are you, holy fuck, dude, that's fucking sad. Uh, some shit. people would say sad. Uh, the two space movies this year just really inspired uh, just poetry out of me. Like I, I've, I wrote down, like, I think uh, the first time in my life I ever wrote down poetry was, like, after seeing High Life and Ad Astra, my review on Letterboxd, is literally just kind of a little, a fun little song about Sad Brad Space Dad. Um, sure. I just like space, I think is really what it is. And I just, uh, th- you, when you put something in the, I'm just looking at these deer running outside now, just dude, fuck the deer <laughs> he was here he with me right <laughs> now, Mason, but uh, just, just, um, there's something just about space and just like the, the arena, if you want to call it that of space that just. It just makes me thinking about why we're here, man. And those were two movies that maybe uh, understand why we're here. Uh, Atlantics. I don't want to say too much about it because I don't want to. I want it, the experience of seeing it to be kind of fresh. Um, but I will say that that's a. Uh, I just love a. Uh, I just love a movie with its very specific kind of. Um, it, it's very kind of abstract in a way. It's a very abstract movie. It also looks brilliant. It looks beautiful. Shot by the same woman that shot Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Her name's escaping me. Oh, okay. Um, beautiful movie. Hustlers, just a ton of fun. It's just a fun movie, just hanging out with the girls. JLo was the snub of the... Girls Night Out. Girls Baby. Night Out. It was... This, it was J-Lo's uh, performance was kind of the snub of the year. I think that it is just like... Uh, is it actually, though? She's like, really good in it. it. And is it she actually? is really... Okay. I don't know if she would necessarily win, but the fact that they kind of just like glossed over her... Um, she's just so good and it doesn't make any sense that they didn't notice it other than the fact that the Academy just doesn't like movies. Um, the lighthouse, I, there's what I love about the lighthouse. And I, I gave the edge in a similar, I gave the edge to my number 10 for a similar reason. But the thing that I loved about the lighthouse is that there's something about it that is kind of like a Rorschach test. I think it's like the black and white cinematography. I think that the fact that it is just such a, a psychologically isolating and ab- also abstract movie and also very, um, uh, I guess I'll just say abstract, but there is not people. I talked to a lot of people that liked it. A lot of people like, and love this movie, but everybody that I talked to recognized something different in it. And I think that that was kind of notable and that's what I loved about it. And, uh, It's just crazy. It's just madness. I love just madness. It's been a while since we've had, like, a movie that was just pure madness, I think. Uh, And I really like uh, just uh, between this and The Witch. I think I liked this a little more than The Witch uh, because I rewatched The Witch recently. But I'm really excited for Robert Eggers' career, and I think that he can uh, just just keep making movies, Robert. I love your movies. Just keep them coming. That's all I got to say. Wow. We love that. We stand and now we're entering the top 10 of our list. Top 10. Okay, my number 10. What's your number 10? the
1: year.
0: What's your number 10, buddy?
1: All right, here's my 10 through 6. Mason ready? Okay, number 10, knives out. Number 9, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Number 8, book smart. Number seven, Paddleton. Right. Number six, Maryland. Nice, faith. great. So great. let's let's break this down here. Ready? Let's just break this down here. Breaking real quick. it down, folks. Uh, in no universe did I believe. That Ryan Johnson's follow-up to The Last Jedi uh-huh. would make my top 10 of any <laughs> film year. Mostly because I think that movie is dumpster fire know you know. on top of <laughs> a human pile of shit. <laughs> and I also am not historically big on what I thought was gonna be a more British feeling movie. Yeah. But
0: I was dead wrong. I loved Knives Out. It's a blast, dude. Like, it's just like there, there's kind of I'm so um uh, I love The Last Jedi. I've been a big Ryan stand since I saw Brick when I was in high school. I love Ryan. I don't think he can do. I haven't seen Brothers Bloom, but to my mind, just made, has made nothing but good movies. And Knives Out is just I love that he uses kind of cachet after making Star Wars to do like a drawing room mystery. Because I do love yeah. like very kind of Agatha Christie-ness of it. Um, And I just love how that thing moves, you know, like it just. um, Oh, it's awesome. It's just awesome. Um, I think everybody in the cast is like on their A game. Um, That's the most amazing thing is they all get a chance to be
1: amazing in it. Jamie Lee Curtis gets her shot. Don Johnson turns in a very strong performance from someone who I didn't realize could be Do what he was doing in there. Um, You get you know who I loved and wish we had more of was that little brat who that basically was an alt right like whatever that oh Henry the book of Henry shit online (laughs) yes that kid I wish we had more of that kid Anna De Armas is phenomenal you know when he is on screen oh what is uh, Christopher Plummer it's Christopher Plummer yeah yeah yeah, he's so good when he's on screen. He directs the shit out of the movie. Daniel Craig, I love the
0: accent. Sorry, folks. I
1: love that more, accent. I'm so
0: happy that they're doing more Benoit Blancs. I just can't wait to see more.
1: Like, And he's perfect for a series of movies. Yeah. Like Daniel Craig is a just a brilliant actor, but that character is going to do so well in different situations. And like you were, I don't remember what you said that was a movie this year who had the youth that had the best needle drop. That was earlier on in your list. Yeah. That was that was, was that? transit.
0: That was the la- final. That was the end credits of transit. transit. Mm mm-hmm.
1: I love the last needle drop of Knives Out. Oh, I thought it was perfect. I was like, "Yeah, baby!" Little stones action, little little bit of a little bit of like sipping your sipping your drink in front of the face of the people who fucked you uh-huh. over. I thought it was awesome. So, big Knives Out guy couldn't believe I was a big Knives Out guy. Um, a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Mason is a movie that at one point for about maybe three or four days was my number one movie <laughs> of the year. I sobbed during a beautiful day Ugh, in the I haven't
0: seen it yet. It, I gotta, I gotta watch it. I got. Uh,
1: and not only content-wise, is it just a like a total tearjerker and just a movie that makes you feel lighter and better? But Marielle Heller kind of directs the shit out of that movie
0: too. I love her. I, I'm, I love Diary of a Teenage Girl. I loved Can You Ever Forgive Me? And I can't wait to see this. So that's, oh, uh, yeah. So, did, what were you? Did, did, did some, you see those other two? Did you see her other two movies?
1: I've I've seen a lot of Can You Ever Forgive Me? But I have not seen the full gotcha. thing. And I haven't seen Diary of a Teenage Girl. But she is very effective and not in a big way. She's very, I think, coy about her directorial choices. Mm. And she just lets the movie kind of breathe and speak for itself. But that is amazing choice. And she's been able to be successful in that way. And I hope she keeps making cool shit. And as good as Tom Hanks is in this movie... Uh, it's Chris Cooper for me that steals the show. He is so good in this movie. He's Matthew Reese's dad,
0: right? Do I have that right?
1: Cool. Yes, he is Matthew Reese's dad, yes. Uh, Book smart. I love a high school movie. This movie does it so Someone, well. Yeah. It's really sad that it floundered at the box office, but. I guess I'm not
0: surprised. I mean, I, I I, kind of am surprised. Like, it just seems like that's the kind of movie that people always say that they want to see more of and they want to see that, like, oh, I like, can't believe they don't make this kind of movie anymore. And it's just like, it's kind of like, I watched that movie and walked out, and I'm like, that's just an instant classic, you know? Like, I can't, you it know, is. like... Parents are going to be like teenage girls and teenagers are going to be finding that movie for like years and years and years down the line. Like it is just kind of a new classic, and it is just so insane that nobody like it seems like nobody saw it or like I don't know what's, what happened there. And I think it's I think the thing that makes this
1: movie um para, or excuse me not Parasite books more <laughs> different <laughs> from other high school movies is that it really is the first high school movie I've seen that says you don't fucking know these people yeah. like you think you do and that's kind of a bold statement especially if the audience is people who are still in high school still yeah. and they're coming in to watch it and i like yeah. wow you think you know these people and yet you have no idea and it goes for all sides and i thought that was a really awesome thing to say from the first i
0: season. do too and i think that like uh you know the kind of cla- like unlike the breakfast club which is kind of like the the un- like the kind of anointed like King or queen or whatever you want to say of those kinds of movies, like Booksmart does it and doesn't do it in a way that's trying to pat itself on the back. I think it's just so authentic and it's interesting and it's so authentic in its portrayal of what it's actually like to be a teenager and it's particularly this, uh, this, uh, this kind of period and moment. Like I lo- and also like Beanie Feldstein and Caitlin Dever are like a duo for the ages. Like they are unstoppable. Oh, yeah. I love both of them and I lo- I rewatched it recently with a really good friend of mine. And I was just like, I can't believe I, I just love these girls. They're so good.
1: You gotta love those girls. Good and girls. The supporting cast of that movie is fucking amazing. Yeah.
0: I just, so I just pulled the, up
1: all the friends, Yeah, I all the, all the teachers, Jessica Williams, uh, the Mike O'Brien as the pizza delivery. Oh guy, my like, God.
0: Yeah. Sudeikis. Sudeikis is really
1: funny in it too. Sedakus as the principal slash Lyft driver.
0: (laughs) It's just, and it's just funny. It's just funny. And I watched it with my family and they loved it too. Awesome. I got to pull that, get that going for my family. All right. Then do you want to talk about, Oh, Paddleton. Yeah. Paddleton. I didn't see Paddleton either. I know you love this movie. Paddleton was the first movie
1: of 2019 that I said, this is my favorite movie of the year. Like when I saw that, I was like, this is currently my favorite movie after Mm -hmm. of the year after I saw it. Ray Romano carries that movie basically on his back from very uh, well-handled well direction from Alexander Lehman, who is going to make another movie for Netflix. He did Blue Jay. Uh, oh, wow. Prior, yeah. Or in 20s. I can't remember when Blue Jay came out, but he did Blue Jay, which is another great little indie mumblecore film. Yeah. And then he does this and Mark Duplass and all those boys working at a great level. It's a great story of friendship. The last 30 minutes are brutal. I don't want to say anything more you got to just see the movie and then marriage story. And my number five kept flip flopping. Mm. I'm not going to say what my number five is obviously until we get there, but, uh, Twitter loves to shit on this movie.
0: Marriage story. Yeah. I'm not it's, a, it, yeah. yeah.
1: And I'm not a hundred percent sure why, um, it was interesting cuz I think normally Noah Baumbach movies wouldn't be shit on on Twitter because they previously hadn't been made readily available but because of Netflix everyone gets a chance to see Marriage Story yeah. and so everyone gets to have an opinion on Marriage Story and therefore that everyone gets to go to Twitter and shit on Marriage Story and I don't fully understand why with the exception of people not
0: liking Scarlett Johansson. I think that and that's, I think it. that's it. I think that it's also like I have had like that is definitely the movie that because you and I both saw it, ahe- like, kind of ahead of time. Like, we saw it before. Yeah, we both saw it in Yeah, theaters. we saw it in theaters in L.A. I saw it at the Vista. I think you went to the Egyptian to see it. Do I have that correct? The Landmark. The Landmark. Thank you. Um, And I was, like, I kind of... That movie's going to come up for me very shortly. Um, I fell hard for that movie the first time I saw it. And I was just, like, so excited for people to see it. And then even before it came out on Netflix, people were really shit-talking it. And I just truly... It's kind of like... A La, La Land situation in 2016 Where it was like a pretty It was like a movie that I really liked And I think has a lot of People were projecting a lot of things Onto the movie that aren't actually in the movie itself I also don't think it helped That they had the And I've said this time and time again So I'm gonna finally I Just fully commit it to the record That like it was such a bad idea In my opinion To make the final fight Between the two of them The, the scene that leads The kind of marketing of that movie um, because that fight, when I watched it, was so effective and so, like, terrifying. But you see that as your scene, you think that that's what the entire movie fucking is, and it's not... Sure. When you watch that movie, you re- like, that is a scene of those two just... I, I can probably... I'll, I don't want to talk about it now later, because it just came up. But, like, that is a scene of two people who have been apart, like, purposely kept apart for so long, coming together, and the only thing that they can express to each other is the hate that they have for this this uh the the, the situation that they're the in right?
1: they have for the circumstances but the love that they still feel for yeah, each other
0: yeah and person. it's the weird like it's like the kind of the fight in before midnight i think that this fight and marriage story felt also like kind of authentic to a lot of just really nasty fights <laughs> um
1: sure, 100% it's a good comparison yeah
0: and uh i think it's really a movie that is kind of suffered for for the fact that we are online in 2020 20, 19 or whatever i think that it's it just made me so happy that i wasn't on twitter so i didn't have to endure awful marriage story takes uh that's all i want to say (laughs) it i'm
1: just gonna quickly say and then we'll 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 scoot on over to you because we are we're spending this our sweet time talking (laughs) about movies so long (laughs) i'm just talking with you buddy no i'm i love it too i'm just saying this is gonna be a wallop of a podcast (laughs) But, but um i think that you get very few actors like Adam Dreimer, Yes. who are sneaky, sneakily versatile, yes. very uh, have insane dynamic emotional range as far as like things they can play within a absolutely. scene, absolutely, and are like in a way kind of every man looking. I feel because he's not conventionally handsome in the way that like Brad Pitt is conventionally yeah. handsome. But he's a little bit more like, well, oh, I'm cu- I'm a little bit like Adam Driver. I'm not fully like Adam Driver yeah, because he's a yeah, movie star. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a little bit like Adam Driver, and maybe someone would disagree. You know, beg to disagree, and I can see that perspective as well. But you don't get a lot of actors like him, and you really don't get this kind of movie very often. You get things like Kramer versus Kramer, which is a really that is truly a divorce story. Yes. Whereas this I feel is much more a love story through the lens of a divorce. I think,
0: yeah, I think think that's the thing. And I think that there's so much that you could like, well, you know what? I'm about to talk about it. So why don't we just get into my top? So let's get into your 10 through through six. six. You're going to have some thoughts about this one. Uh, 10 through six. Number Mm -hmm. 10, Jordan Peele's Us. Uh, Number nine, Pedro Almodovar's uh, *Dolor y Gloria, Pain and Glory. Uh, yes, number sir. eight, Noah Bombach's Marriage Story. There it is. I have, that's actually a little bit lower than I thought it was uh, going to be. I, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, number seven, uh, Lulu Wong's The Farewell. Number six, Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Another big thumbs down that's from it. Noah. But, uh. <laughs> fun time in hollywood uh, <laughs> love that love love all this pain and glory is the most recent addition to this top 10 i saw it i think about a week or two ago um finally caught it finally caught up with it us was one that i was i went back and forth on if i want us wanted us or the lighthouse to be in my top 10 but i was i was thinking my thought was if i had my 10 if i could only take 10 movies in 2019 what would i want them to be like Desert Island, you know, after the apocalypse, whatever you want to say or what it is. And us was, I remember when I saw that movie in March, uh, I was like, Oh, uh, the movies are back, baby. Like finally they're back. And then, uh, us, my meme for the first part of the year was us made $70 million opening weekend, which was a feat that was not accomplished by a by a, um, live action original release since Avatar. Jeez, yeah.
1: So in basically ten years.
0: In basically ten years, yeah, and I think that also kind of like the Lighthouse, a movie that is also kind of a Rorschach test, and you could really more than anything else, like kind of just see what people want, to, and both out of I think movies and how they relate to um, systems of, of racism and capitalism and all these other things, all these like kind of big. Things and I saw that in the beginning of the year of 2019. I was like, God damn! Like this is this is this is so cool. This is so cool that the movies are back like this. And I also just think that it's a really entertaining um, horror movie. I think it's just. Oh, I think it's also just a really um, effective uh, and just just kind of immediately iconic movie in the way that we haven't had in a long time. I don't. I think I like it a little more than Get Out, even though I also love Get Out. Um, but, and I think that also my, the most insane snub of the year for me was that, um, Lupita Nyong'o didn't get best actress at the Oscar this year. Cause the fact that she delivers not one, but two, I think just landmark performances in us, uh, and, uh, love it. Love her pain and glory. Can I, can I,
1: can I talk about us? Just can I say one thing about us. Definitely. Quick? Definitely. And this is my biggest, I'm not even gonna say it's my biggest problem. I think it's the movie's biggest Missed opportunity. I'll say flaw. I think it's the movie's biggest flaw. Once the shadow people talk, Uh I am less scared of the shadow people.
0: Uh, interesting. I think that that the fact that they could talk that I think the fact that, um, they're talking to each other is so essential to what makes that movie work for me. um, Well, actually, well, I don't know if we want to get into spoilers or not, but the fact that there's only one shadow person that actually talks is uh, essential to uh, what the movie's about. Uh, And uh, Pain and Glory, uh, Dolore e Gloria. Again, I think that you're right. It is like kind of a mold eight and a half. uh, And that was a movie that, uh, and I'll talk about The Farewell similarly. Farewell, um, two movies that I I was kind of watching, and felt a little, I don't want to say chilly, but I think that the kind, of, the fact that this is they're about cultures that I am not immediately familiar with was like I really had to kind of exercise a lot of kind of patience in watching them. And then at the sure. very, very end, when they just kind of reveal themselves and what they were actually about, just like kind of got me right in the gut. Um, and Pain and Glory just uh, kind of has not left my mind. I think it is just so... Um, just
1: the farewell might have the best penultimate shot of. The yes,
0: air. I definitely, I definitely agree with you on that one. I think, uh, that has not also, has not left my mind since I've seen it. Um, but pain and glory, I think Banderas rocks. Um, yep. I think that it is, um, it's, it's just, um, the colors in that movie and the kind of the, uh, the way that Almodovar, looks back on his life and his um his his own art and his own uh the reason why he was doing kind of everything that he's ever done his entire career uh I just love a movie like that and I think that you got to celebrate those when you have them um it's someone who's willing to look at their warts as well as
1: their you know their triumphs yeah,
0: it's important to look yeah, at Yeah and really just like um there's no really kind of cheap. No, there's nothing cheap about it I don't think that it's a uh it's a, uh, movie that is there to make you necessarily feel good, even though you do kind of leave feeling a little, um, lifted. Um, I, there's just so much heart in the thing too. And I just really feel that, uh, like I said, I'm in my letterboxd review. Uh, if you could just kind of distill a life, just pain and glories, like the kind of the, the two essentials that you have. Um, sure. and that's all I have to say about that. Uh, farewell kind of, I think, same with the farewell. I think they, um, it's just the family dynamic and the, um, the, the family. I love the family dynamic. I love a good family dynamic. I love a movie, um, where I think that the protagonist is more or less, I don't want to say in the wrong, but has to learn the hard way that the world does not work the way that they understand it does. Um, sure. and, uh, again, the penultimate shot. And I also just think, I, Aquafina is another one of my favorite performances of the year. Uh, Nai Nai, uh, also one of my favorite performances oh of the year. God. I just... I,
1: Unbelievable. Nai Nai is... A cl- she's an instant she's star. She's an instant
0: star. And just the second that it was over, the one thing I wanted to do was just go back so I can hang out with that family again. Just that's really what it is. Totally. Uh, similarly, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, as soon as it was done and I was back in the real world, I'm like, damn, why don't I live in the Quentin Tarantino alternate 1969? I love that this is a kind of nicer... Uh, movie, but there's still that kind of Quentin, their Tarantino menace underneath the entire proceedings. Um, and I love that it's just kind of I love it just a hangout movie. Also, uh, I know you don't like it. And I know you don't like a movie that meanders, which is why this is not one of your favorite movies. But I just that just this kind of the care that went into recreating the 1960s and this time. And uh, I think Leo and Brad give two of their best performances of their career. And I just uh, Margot Robbie, Sharon Tate, just really bringing to life somebody who a lot of people in the audience think of just as one thing, which is this dead murder, like the, the murdered wife of Roman Polanski uh, by the Manson family. And just to make her sing and to let her soul live and to kind of give her the um, to kind of bring her back to life in a way, I think it's just a really remarkable uh, giving. Uh, a really remarkable and giving performance in that regard. And I, ju- I just really kind of love that movie.
1: Wow. Well, I'm not going to say anything really in regards to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, because obviously, you know, it works for you and it works for a ton of other people. But I saw that movie with Friend of the Podcast and uh, guest Dustin mm-hmm. Um We saw it at the New Beverly Ooh. Um, on 35, which is, you know, Quentin's the uh-huh. And we were hyped, you know, we were both hyped. We were both very excited because he really is one of the last, what is feeling like one of the last directors where even though he is a quote unquote auteur, everybody goes and sees Yeah. A movie, yeah. you know, he is a auteur that still reaches 98% of our people, yeah. mm-hmm. you know? Glorious Bastards, you know, Pulp Fiction. Every guy who's ever felt like they've seen movies who isn't actually into movies will tell you Pulp Fiction is one of their favorite oh, movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: because for them, <laughs>
1: yeah. it's, you know, one of probably one of the most interesting movies they've ever seen. Because you recognize it as just and something
0: different. You know, they recognize it as just 100%. like a different thing than your like Star Wars or whatever. But yeah, you're absolutely right on that, I think.
1: And, I, and I, I also think that, you know, he does really care about the world that he's building and he does really care about those people uh, I just didn't really find a lot of those people to be all that interesting. That's fair. The person I thought that was most interesting was Brad Pitt. And I think he's going to walk away uh, this Sunday with the Oscar for best I, it's
0: kind of a It's kind of a decided thing at this point, you know, right? Like, it's basically just like sitting yep. and waiting for it to happen. Uh, Marriage Story, that one kind of moved down a little bit for me. I don't really have any other reason other than, for that other than when I was thinking about this top 10 list and if I had to rank them, this is just how I do it. But again, I think that this is a movie that is a little more even handed. And I think that it is it's called Marriage Story for a reason, because like at the end of the day, these are two people that do still love and care about each other. Um, And I think that people are primed to seeing these kind of stories as a who won at the end. And since maybe because of Adam Driver's performance or the fact that it is a Noah Baumbach movie, they think that it is tipped more towards the Charlie character, I don't know, man. Like, both times I walked out of that movie, I had a lot more sympathy for Scarlett Johansson's position. And I think that uh, Charlie is kind of like, both in the text of the movie and whatever, the subtext in and, and Driver's performance, is kind of like a bastard. But he's not like a bad guy. He's just like somebody that needs uh he, what he got what he got out of the marriage he's he's a selfish, he is a selfish guy. guy and selfish guys exist and I think this is a pretty sympathetic performance and I think at the end of the movie he's left in a position where there's like the hope of like growth and understanding both of of himself and what he needs and he can move on from this but we're not privy to that we're privy to what this marriage is um and it's one of those things I think we talked about it's like you th- there's no right or wrong side in this like it is like kind of the perfect the thing that's right for these characters at this point in their life, this time that we're seeing them is to be separate and not married to each other and to just have their own life. Yes.
1: And that love can still exist even if you're not married to your spouse anymore. Yeah. And it's, and that is a, that's a tough pill to swallow, but it is handled well. And speaking of both marriage story and your movie, that's in your top 10, the farewell, Lulu Wang and Barry Jenkins are dating, and that is fucking Greta and Noah Bombach level relationship. I had, no right I had no idea they were dating. I had no idea they were dating. I'm so excited.
0: I'm so happy. Oh my god. Oh I know. my god. It's amazing. Oh boy. So that's that's a little that's a little sweet treat to look oh, forward to. In that the is such a com. sweet treat. I'm so excited for them. Oh goodness gracious. All right. F- you ready to dive into my top Let's five, Mister Mason? Let's do it, buddy. I'm so ready. Okay.
1: Number five. Mm-hmm. The, Irish, the Man. Irish Man. The Irish Man. Number four, Bong Joon-ho's Parasite. Ooh, parasite. Number three, The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Woo-hoo! Number two, which was my number one for a very long stretch of time until I did see my number yes. one. But my number two is Alma Harrell's Honey Boy. Mm-hmm. And my number one film of 2019, which also you will hear about on my decade list, The Safdie Brothers Uncaptured. Yes. Yes. The the Irish, yes, yes, (laughs) chef. The number five and number six, Marriage Story and Irishman, I continually flipped and flopped as far as I was concerned with what was going to be five and what was going to be six. But I kind of came to that decision because the Irishman really did reverberate in my mind more so than Marriage Story Mm -hmm. did. It's kind of impossible for it not to, I think just because of the universality of what aging does to Mm -hmm. people. You see aging with your grandparents. You see aging with your parents. You see aging in your friends. You see aging in yourself. And what Frank gives up is heartbreaking. To be, spoiler alert, alone and sick at the end of the film. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking what he gives up to do that. And I do genuinely believe Scorsese can keep making movies for as long as he wants to. He's a legend. He's done absolutely incredible work, but I do, I am going to feel as though everything he does after this will be epilogue. Yeah,
0: I think you're absolutely right. Um, I, Irishman's about to come up for me also. Um, it is. And I think it is kind of, that's a movie that feels epic in a way that we don't get a lot anymore, which is just, yeah. um, you feel the totality of both somebody's life with Frank Sheeran and De-, De Niro also just just fucking rocks in this movie. He doesn't get a lot of I think credit uh, for just how much that movie. Definitely sings.
1: Pesci and Pacino give get most of the credit when it comes to the performances yeah. in that movie. But I think we will look back on De Niro when you know you know knock on wood you know say a couple hair Mary's when De Niro does leave this mortal right. coil. I think we will look back at Frank Sheeran as one of his best. Absolutely.
0: Um, And I think that it just like the totality of both like our relationship, everyone's relationship with Martin Scorsese and especially with his movies and his sort of um, approach to documenting masculinity. The Irishman feels like kind of the final statement on that. And I think you're absolutely right that anything that he, I want him to have a long career, but I don't think that this is going to be, this is going to be the last Scorsese movie, I think in a way. You know what I'm saying? Like kind of how after um, at least like the last big Scorsese movie and how we define Scorsese. But this is just and but and also just what a way for this to to what a way to a note to go out on. Um, No kidding. It was I saw I watched this movie at home and then I immediately went to see Knives Out. So it was really like a shot and chaser thing. But man, there is almost not been either through memes I've seen or just moments coming back to me and just the fucking ending of this movie was incredible. Um, kind of not been a movie that's left, not left my mind since I saw it around Thanksgiving. Uh, incredible, no incredible, kidding. incredible movie.
1: Let's let, let's, let's do this. Let me, let me briefly touch on these and I have a feeling we're going to talk about at least two more Absolutely, their, uh-huh. in, as the yes. same. So let me just briefly touch on these and then you'll, we can roll into your top mm-hmm. five, but, um, it's kind of impossible not to love parasite. I think so. Yeah it's just unbelievably well mm. made to a just insane degree the main families and like subsequent character everyone in the cast is just on mm. one in just the most amazing way he just found a way to make a very uh i'm not going to say controversial but a very loaded subject matter of wealth and poverty mm. Very straightforward and very, again, in my opinion, but very correct. He made a very correct posit of what is going on with wealth and wealth gap. Not just in seemingly Korea, but definitely in the United States as well. Um, I think that Last Black Man in San Francisco is definitely one of the most underseen movies of 2019 Mm -hmm. and just deserves to be seen. Uh, Honey Boy, personally, for me, was just absolute gut punch. I could not believe it, that someone was able to take those kind of ideas and translate it on screen in that way. And then, number one, Uncut Gems. I've seen it three times in theaters. Um, I will probably see it one more time in theaters before it hits, you know, digital and DVD or Blu-ray or whatever. Um, But the safties are...
0: They're the real it's deal, just, man. It's like unfair.
1: Unfair. they, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they roll. It's kind of unfair that we all have to go up against them. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you know they're just amazing. They're just amazing, and Sandler's amazing, and Julia Fox's ass is amazing, and uh Adina Menzel is amazing, and just the whole thing is just perfect. It's just perfect.
0: I don't know. I, I, like, let's I'm, get in. Let's get all into right. your top number five. five. This is the only uh, number number five. Greta Gerwig's Little Women. Love those little women. Number four, uh, Marty Scorsese's the Irishman. There number you go. three, uh, take a hit of that bong and go get a parasite, baby. <sighs> bong Jun Ho's Parasites. Number two, wow. Josh and Benny Safdie's Uncut Gems. There and my it number is. one of the year, a movie that was not on your list at all. I don't know if you've seen it. And <laughs> my number one of the year, Joanna Hogg's a souvenir. It has been there it um is. Just to speak briefly on the two that were not on your... Uh, well, maybe we should yeah. speak briefly about the, our overlap here. i way with you on Parasite. I watched it again. First time I saw it, I was at home. Uh, I watched it with my cousin Luke, with Cousin Luke. Uh, we love Cousin Luke. And uh, just because just I could not wait. Uh, the hype kind of around it became so much that I was like, I can't ignore this anymore. I had to find a way to watch it, and I did. Blew me away. Saw it in theaters a couple weeks ago.
1: Where, where did you see it?
0: Uh, I, well, I saw it, uh, I, I, I don't, I illegally downloaded it the first time that I watched it. <laughs> um, <laughs> second time, you so the six, so, so the second time, actually the theater in my hometown, the Tivoli, the Tivoli theater on Monday, on two Mondays a month, they have this thing called after hours film society and they were showing pain and glory and parasite. And so I went to see, wow. yes, yeah, so that's when I saw, uh, Delory Gloria. And then I saw uh parasite because I was like, I had to see this movie on the big screen, Um, and yeah, like it is just like, I think that this is the, this would be like, if I was in the Academy and looking at the 10 that were nominated for best picture, this would be my best picture pick. Cause just the way that it encapsulates, um, it's the most, I think 2019 movie of the year, if that makes sense. Um, and just in the, the kind of, um. It, it, it is just in every single element, just I it just the second time I watched it, I was just sitting there just truly in awe of everything that uh, just the production of it, just how great every single cast member was um, just the, the metaphor. Oh, so metaphorical, all the metaphors, all that stuff really feels like like I think my uh that and Uncut Gems gives you just that kind of like that elation of watching like a great movie, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, I think I said my piece about the Irishman, little women. I just want to say really quick. I just, I just adore it. That was really, that's really sure. it. I just adore it. I love all the little women. Uh, I love Greta. I love Shersha. I just, the, the movie just has such a big, loud beating heart and I just could not deny it. And I just, it makes me so happy to think about can you not this isn't going to translate well onto podcast form, but can you show me the face
1: you made when, spoiler alert, Bob Odenkirk shows up halfway through the movie? <sighs> so for those of you at home, he's covering his face and he's happy. I'm so I was
0: so happy and he said, oh, my little women, I love my little women. I'm like, yes, Bob, <laughs> me too. That's that's that's, <laughs> that's that's me. Um, uh, Uncut Gems, I just really want to echo you like I, I know I watched that movie. Uh, and I just kind of sat there with my jaw open and a smile on my face my whole time just in sheer joy of witnessing like just truly a great movie. And I left it, the theater feeling just electric and almost every single person in the theater, uh, as we were leaving, I clocked, uh, did not have as good a time watching that movie as I did. I think because it made them probably incredibly stressed out and anxious, um, which is a valid response, but also, uh, Man, I don't know. Sandman is great in it, and I just love that the Safdies just put on screen a bunch of, like, aside from, like, Sandler and Idina Menzel, Bogosian and Jude Hirsch and a couple other people, I just love that they find randos off the street and put them in their movie and just, like, populate their world like that. I love a movie with a great um, Billy Joel needle drop. Oh, yeah. And I just... uh, I don't know there's there's a deep part of me that just loves watching a, a guy make a just uh, just stupid dumb decisions um, and continue to do them despite uh, just kind of just being very pigheaded and escape consequences to a point in that way. I think that this is probably the ultimate Adam Sandler movie because that's kind of what all of his yeah. characters are.
1: I want to can I share a brief anecdote about absolutely. Them? So, I saw this movie twice in L.A. I actually saw it back-to-back nights. Oh, uh, I love that. You love to hear it. I was working a job, and it was a long job. It was a job that I had, like, did a little bit before Thanksgiving. Then we broke for Thanksgiving. Then I came back, worked, like, a lot of days in a row straight. I think I only had, like, one day Uh off between, like, the break of, like, over the course of, like, ten days or whatever it Uh was. So, it it was a lot of going on. Um, and I was tired and I was like, Oh fuck, but uncut gems comes out that Thursday night in LA. So I'm going to treat myself and go see it at the art uh-huh. Light. And, uh, it was so frenetic and so energy driven that I actually was like knocked unconsciously <laughs> Like I was just like, Holy shit. Then I went to go see it the next night because a friend of mine had an extra ticket because their girlfriend couldn't go. So I was their date, <laughs> and I went to the Q&A at the Arclight Dome with Josh, Benny, Sandler, and Ronnie Ooh. Bronstein, who is their, like, big biggest collaborator yeah. on the uh, back end of things. Um, and then it came out when I was back home for the holidays, and as a Jew, Mason... Mm-hmm. Uh, are you are you or no? Not? I, I can't not. remember. No, are no, you no I'm not. OK, I get mistaken I for one for all the time, more. but I'm not. Um, I was with dad <laughs> and I said, hey, dad, I really think you're going to like uncut gems. It comes out on Christmas. Do you want to go see it? And he said, sure. Uh, what's the earliest showing of the film? And I said, "Oh, well, there's one at 9:45, <laughs> but I really don't oh think we should go and God. see at 9:45." The first, you going. don't, I, yeah. I, <laughs> the first thing in your day is uncut
0: gems. That's hilarious. <laughs>
1: And he was like, "Okay, buy two tickets for that one." And I was like, "Oh, Dad, you're making a bad choice." And so we get to the theater and we watch it. We're sitting in the very back row, the last two seats on the most right hand side of the of the row. And we, I, you know, it's my third time seeing it, so I'm very well versed in what's going to happen. I'm anticipating all the crazy parts. And we leave the theater. We get in the car, and we hadn't said anything to each other. So I said it as was like, "Hey, so Dad, what do you think?" And he just like fucking was rubbing his fucking eyes like a fucking old man. Just like, oh, God. And I'm like, uh, what? And he's like, Noah, uh, I just don't go to the movies to be depressed, oh my okay? God. And I'm like, okay, but okay, hold on, hold on. If you had to give it a score, like one to 10, what would you give it? And he goes, ah, uh, geez. And I'm not expecting anything good yeah. at this point. Like, I'm like, maybe a six if yeah. I'm lucky. And he goes, ah, uh, I don't know. Nine and a half out of ten, <laughs> and I was like, "Fuck yeah, Dad! Absolutely." So even my dad, who doesn't go to the movies, "quote unquote," to be depressed, nine and a half out of ten That's from that. Thing Arger. like I
0: don't get what like. That is what is the peculiar alchemy of that movie in particular, which is that nope, like it's not a movie that you leave feeling good, but you're like, I just watched something great, you know, like that's, and you
1: want to see it yeah. again.
0: Uh, and just to speak, uh, briefly, cause we have been recording a long time and I, if I, and yes, I, maybe, I don't know if the souvenir is show potential. Cause I don't think that it would be a very entertaining episode. Um, but just to say, so su- you were saying that Paddleton was your first, the first movie you saw in the year that was like, Oh, this is a great, this is a great movie or whatever. I think us gets takes a cake for that for me, but definitely when I, so similar to your experience with uncut gems, I was working on this TV show, uh, for a month in Hollywood, basically in the middle, in the, in the month of May
1: in Hollywood, Hollywood CA
0: literally at, um, at Helen, Helen Bernstein high school that you can see from the one Oh one in the shadow of the Hollywood sign We would park in the school, uh, like kind of basketball courts, and I would get out of my car and turn around. The Hollywood sign was like just there. Um, You know, you're doing that job and you're working. At least, at least I was at this this point in my life, in my point in my career, my time in LA. I was definitely doing a lot of thinking about what I want to do, like why I want to go to the movies, and I was also just like replaying. And reworking through a period of my life in like my early twenties that I still could not like kind of get my head around. I was like trying to rationalize my relationship with, with a certain per- with a person that was uh, and just trying to just get it's not my life anymore. I was just trying to get my head around. And then we wrap on a since we were shooting out of high school, we were shooting Wednesday through Sunday. Uh, we wrap on a Sunday, and I text friend of the show Sonny Dion, and I'm like, hey, I want to go see the souvenir. I said, absolutely. We nice. made plans to go see The Souvenir. I was really not expecting too much out of this movie. I just knew that I was listening to the A24 podcast. I listened to about half of the interview between Joanna Hogg and Marty. Uh, Marty's an yep. executive producer on my top, on the top, my top two. He executive produced Gems <laughs> and an executive produced The Souvenir. Uh, and I was like, I kind of want to check this movie out. I wonder what's, what's up with this. So not expecting much other than just to kind of go and have a good time and uh, just hang out with my bud we were like one of, we were two of, I want to say like maybe six people in the theater at the Arclight at like nine o'clock on a Sunday to see this movie. Nice. And I just remember watching this movie and, um, from the opening kind of moments, you know, you talk about with pain and glory and with the farewell, you just like punched in the gut at the end. The first, like, I think that happened to me three times in the first 15 minutes watching this movie. And then as it like continued to reveal itself and what it was about and how it was about, uh, like being like kind of just like kind of, um, visual reflection on, um, like, uh, a a relationship and being in your early twenties and kind of in your first relationship, like your first real relationship and what that means to your sense of self and what that means to the identity that you're forming. Uh, what that means to your relationship with your family and just just everything around you uh just really got me in a place where not a lot of movies have gotten me, and it was just like sure. kind of synthesized a lot of things I was going through at the right time, and it just kind of felt like Joanna Hogg was sitting me down and saying, "I see you, I see what you 're going through. I went through something similar. Let me walk you through it uh and uh just fell hard for that movie like in the middle of the movie i looked over to Sonny and both of us had the same kind of reaction which is just eyes wide open mouth agape um kind of just in awe of what we were seeing on screen and if i had to choose one movie from this year the kind of to bring with me and to kind of remember why i go to the movies uh the souvenir is it baby and uh that's my number one i got very sincere there on mike for a minute <laughs> But uh, I love the movie. I want more people to see it. It might not speak to them as much as it spoke to me, but that's why it's my number one. I think it's a, just a beautiful film, and,
1: and that oftentimes is the case where you can't almost sometimes explain why your,
0: the number thing. Yeah. your number one
1: is your number one. It just speaks to you on a primordial level. And I actually sometimes I, with Honey Boy, it's you know it's a very I feel very you know I felt very personally you know moved by, it, and that was why it was my number one for so long. Similarly to what you were describing in your viewing of The Souvenir. Um, and then when Gems came, I still sometimes have a hard time fully putting into words why it's my favorite movie from not only 2019, but in my opinion, a top five movie of the last decade. Yeah. And it's just hard for me to put into words other than I think it, it works just so well. And so it's in, sometimes you, you can't really pick your fa- Sometimes you can't pick your favorites, your favorite, your favorite. You.
0: To- excuse me. I totally agree. That is kind of the case with me and the souvenir this year, um, but that's it, folks. We we got through our top thirty through, movies of the year. It's been about yeah, it's
1: been hour forty one <laughs> on all that shit, uh, brother. Yeah, so. do you
0: want to take a quick break before we get into more more end of end of decade talk or how are you feeling, buddy? Um, uh, let's take a quick break. Uh, yeah, let's take a okay, quick break. Okay, I'm gonna hit st- stop recording in three, two, one.